You are listening to a podcast from the UAB School of Nursing Health Network. Welcome to Clinical Pearls. I'm your host, Allison Jones. Today, we are delighted to welcome Allison Gerritsen from UAB Medicine. Allison has been in nursing for over 20 years. She joined UAB three years ago as the Associate Vice President of Care Transitions for the UAB Health System. Welcome, Allison. Thank you. It's good to be here. And I understand you have an acknowledgement to share. Yes, actually, it's Social Worker Month this month, and our, um, our logo is Generation Strong. And we just want to give a shout out to all of our social workers um, in um, UAB and across the nation because I know our nurses appreciate all of the work that our social workers um, provide as far as collaborating with them and taking care of our patients. That's wonderful. Thank, Thank you for letting us know. Let's start by how you define care transitions. What does that mean? So care transitions is um, the movement of a patient from one um, place to another. So it might be that the patient is at home and they're moving into the ambulatory space or they are in the inpatient world and they're moving from an ICU to a floor or they're moving from a floor to a post-acute space, for example, a nursing home. So any type of transition, we wanna be available to ensure the safety and that the patient has the right care at the right time. And you just touched on this a little bit, but can you tell us about the different areas of the transitions? Sure, so um, we have um, mainly three areas that we um, have um, people managing. One is in the inpatient setting, and um, that's a traditional um, case management model that you see in most hospitals or inpatient settings. One is in the ambulatory setting, and so there we have um, care coordinators and social workers who, um, who manage based on either a disease process or maybe a, a patient who is a high utilizer, meaning they frequent our hospital or our doctor's offices um, quite frequently. And then um, we work in the post-acute space. So either um, we're in the home or we're calling patients in the home or we're in the nursing homes managing patient care. Great. Now, what about the different terms associated with the roles? Mm -hmm. I heard you mention care coordinator. Mm -hmm. um, can you tell us a little more about those different roles? Sure, so um, you may hear me say um, different names for a care manager, case manager, care coordinator. Um, basically, they are all managing um, the patient's transition or utiliz utilization of care in the system. Um, you'll also hear me talk about social workers, and um, that discipline is responsible for psychosocial assessment and intervention for our patients. Um, you'll hear me talk about um, navigators, so um, this would be a person who may not be a licensed individual, but helps a patient um, work their way through the system, through a complicated doctor's office visit, or even um, support them in the community, finding community resources. Okay, and when did this program begin? So the program um, began here at UAB um, many years ago. Um, case management is relatively new to um, the nation, um, and it started mainly when um, the DRG system came um, to pass for hospitals. And can you, can you for our viewers, uh -huh. can you define the DRG? So the DRG is a diagnostic related group, okay. and that is where uh, Medicare um, changed the payment model for hospitals. Um, from pay, uh, and they pay just on um, you know a patient's incident, incident in the hospital. Okay, and so that kind of ties into my next question, uh -huh. which is what kind of drove this change in healthcare? Mm -hmm. 
So um, I would say that the CMS payment model um, to the DRG system drove the change of employing more case managers um, in the hospital. And CMS being the, the, the center, center for, for... Yes, Center for Medicare and Medicaid, sorry. Okay. And um, so that drove more of the um, work that we do in the hospitals. And now as we um, receive more instruction from CMS um, or penalties around um, readmissions, that many of us um, are aware of, uh, we're beginning to expand out into the ambulatory setting. So we wanna help manage beyond the walls and that's what we're responsible for here at UAB is to try to put in strategies in place to manage for the continuum and not just the inpatient or not just the ambulatory side. It sounds like this is a nationwide movement, is that mm -hmm. correct? It is, mm -hmm. okay. And so how does this care transition program bring value to the patients? So, um, you know, many of us as nurses, um, we see patients either while they're in the hospital or while they're in the physician's office, but oftentimes we don't know what we can do for them once they leave the hospital. And so the value that this program brings to patients is that we're able to extend our reach beyond the walls and support that patient or provide that patient with resources to support them once they leave our touch as a provider or as a nurse or as a social worker. Okay. So why is this program important to the health system as a whole, not just the patient? So the health system, of course, is always interested in um, providing the right care at the right time in the right setting. Um, it has financial implications for the health system. We want to be just as efficient with our dollars as you know we are at home with our own budgets. And so um, it's important that we don't overutilize tests or, um, or specialty care so that the patient gets the right care. Great. And what are some challenges that you face in doing this? So some challenges um, in, in taking care of patients um, beyond the walls, of course, is having um, <clears throat> enough people um, to really do the work. And so um, you first have to decide um, which patients are you going to follow. Um, in the inpatient setting, it's obvious you're going to follow anyone who meets certain screening criteria but who do you follow in the ambulatory side? There are just so many more patients than there are nurses or um, community lay navigators or social workers. And so we have to um, you know, take a look at our patient base and severity adjust those patients, meaning we see who are the sickest patients that we think will engage with us in terms of employing different care management strategies. And so um, you know, that would be one of the challenges is one, um, getting people to engage um, and identifying those patients and then um, determining, you know, to what extent or how long do we spend time working with those patients once they're beyond the walls. And you mentioned screening criteria. Can you give us a little more information about that? Sure. So um, we um, look at a patient's um, what we call utilization. So we can tell based on um, the claims data that we get from different insurance companies or from uh, CMS. Um, how often a patient is going to the emergency department, um, how often they may be going to um, their primary care visits or urgent care, um, if they are taking a high cost um, medication, um, or we may find that a patient um, visits the emergency room a lot but never goes to see their primary care physician. And so those, all of that information um, is compiled into sort of a risk-adjusted score and from there, we determine you know, our patient base uh, for whom we will reach out and begin some care management strategies with. 
So as nurses, we know that nursing is a 24-hour process. Mm -hmm. How do you handle staffing concerns mm -hmm. or your staffing schedules with this team? Sure. So, um, of course, on ambulatory, we are still um, um, working the ambulatory model. We're mostly Monday through Friday, um, 8 to 5 or 7 to 3. We're working the day shift with those patients. Um, we don't necessarily want to impede on patients' private time after work hours. However, um, some of our community health workers or our lay navigators are available to patients um, you know, when the patient has a need. For example, if the patient um, needs um, some help um, identifying a community resource and they can only work with a community health worker after hours, then that community health worker more than likely will be available at that time for them. On the inpatient setting, um, we are transitioning from that eight to five model to seven day a week model because that's how hospitals work. And so um, from a staffing standpoint, we want our staff there um, on the weekdays. We need them there on the weekends. And um, at our hospital now, we are just starting some night shifts for the emergency department so we can continue to support those patients. So it sounds like you're in the acute care side and that includes the emergency department mm -hmm. as well. That's yes. wonderful. Uh -huh. How do the nurses interact with your team? That's a great question. So depending on the setting um, and how close the care coordinator or the social worker is in terms of working with the nurse, um, it's, it's a little bit different. So if you're on the inpatient setting, you should have a case manager or care coordinator or social worker assigned to your service or your floor. And um, there are a couple of different ways to get in touch with them. Um, one, um, you know, all systems should have a means to make a referral. So either by phone or by electronic medical record, you can make a referral for your patient to um, the case manager. Um, we also have what we call transition of care rounds, and this is an interdisciplinary collaborative forum that we have daily on all of our services and units. Um, we bring in other disciplines like um, pharmacy, chaplains, dietary providers, and um, talk about the needs for the patient. So um, we call it what's the plan for the day and the plan for the stay. And we really rely on our nurses to tell us what barriers this patient is up against so we can begin to plan for that patient um, upon their discharge. Um, in the ambulatory setting, it might be a little bit harder to find um, your care manager or your care coordinator, but um, we have ways for nurses and we try to communicate to them um, how to get in touch with us so that we can continue to support them and their patients. What would be the best way for nurses to be advocates for their patients to be engaged in this process? Good question. So we ask our nurses to um, talk about the clinical goals with the patient on patients, the patient's terms. And so um, patients are um, sometimes scared to go home, um, either from the office visit or the inpatient setting, uh, because they don't think they can manage at home. And so we try to break it down into small goals and nurses are um, the best ones to communicate with that patient and talk to them about things like, all I need you to do is get up out of bed and get to the chair today. That's your goal. That's all we ask. And then the next day, encourage the patient to go a little farther or um, do something more to manage their own health care so that by the time it's time to go home or go back to their setting that they normally live in, um, they're ready to take care of themselves. Okay. And I think you answered this a little bit already, but mm -hmm. just to clarify, the nurses can contact your team through either the phone service or the the electronic medical system, right? Mm -hmm. And do they need to have any physician orders or provider orders in no. order to do that? 
They do not. And actually, um, the Center for Medicare and Medicaid, their conditions of participation, or those are the rules by which hospitals have to um, live by in order to take care of Medicare patients, require that a patient can reach out to a social worker or a care manager um, without even a nurse being involved. And so sometimes the nurse is that, um, that um, um, person who communicates to the case manager that the patient really needs to work with them or talk to them. And so um, any way that um, the nurse can reach out to us, we are welcome. We welcome that. And, um, you know, we like to talk to the nurses about their perceptions of how the patient is adjusting. And um, if the nurse has any concerns about, you know, is the patient able to care for themselves or they're not demonstrating an ability to achieve a certain goal. Um, we love for that to be communicated to us so that we can work um, further with the family and the patient to help them be more successful. And then the patient and the family, they could also mm -hmm. contact you as well. Is they that can. correct? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So if they have any concerns, how what's the best way for, for that to happen? So for our hospital, um, they could go through a patient representative that would get them in touch with us. Many patients know that um, I just need to call the case management department and they'll get someone who will get them in touch with their um, case manager or social worker. Um, in the ambulatory setting, again, just a simple portal message or an ask of a nurse will get you in touch with um, our resource center. Okay. So can you walk us through the process for what happens after a patient is discharged from the hospital mm -hmm. and how your team manages that transition? Sure. So um, when a patient is discharged to home, um, we have uh, what we call an Emmy phone call service that um, many patients will receive an interactive voice response phone call. And on that phone call, they will be asked questions like, have you made your appointment? Um, were you able to fill your prescriptions? Or do you have any concerns about your discharge? Um, if at any point the patient says, yes, I am concerned, it will flag a nurse to call them the next day and help them work through that situation. Um, that has been very successful for us in terms of reducing readmissions for these patients and also improving patient satisfaction with their care through the entire setting. I'm curious to know, do you have any statistics you can share with us about the numbers of discharges? They're the, the success stories, rather, that you've had? Um, I don't have any statistics off the top of my head, but I can certainly get those to you. But, um, you know, we have patients who um, will get home, and this is a classic example where um, I, I'm sent home with a certain dose of Lovenox, and I live in a very small town, you know, with one or two pharmacies. And um, it's very important that I take my Lovenox, but the pharmacist doesn't have it. And, oh, by the way, it's going to cost you know, a couple of hundred dollars copay to get it filled. So I'm not, I don't really remember why I need to take this medicine. So I'm just not going to fill it. And then for example, the ME nurse might, um, you know, the nurse phone call might go to them and they say, no, I didn't um, fill my prescription. The same could go for um, insulin. And um, the nurse will um, you know, be flagged to call the patient and then talk to them about the importance of this medication that ensure that they are able to get the, to the pharmacy, get it filled and get it paid for. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. So what kind of things keep you up at night? So um, the things that keep me up at night, um, one are that we may be delaying a discharge. And so, um, you know, for example, the physicians and the nurses may be ready for the patient to go home, but for whatever reason, um, um, social work has hit a barrier in terms of the patient discharging. So we're trying to get the patient to a nursing home, but for some reason we can't, the nursing home doesn't have a bed or we haven't supplied correct information. 
um, to get them there. So we don't want to keep patients any longer than they need to be in the hospital because um, we employ um, the IHI uh, aim of right care, right place, right time. And the IHI being? The Institute for Healthcare uh, Improvement. Okay. Uh -huh. okay. And so um, we really work to make sure that these patients, um, you know, if they need to be in a nursing home for a certain number of days, that we're getting them there when the care team is ready for them to go. Um, and so that's um, one of the ways that we um, ensure, uh, or that's one of the things that keeps me up at night is, you know, are we the cause of any delays? Because we certainly don't want to do that. Mm -hmm. um, another concern, um, you know, that keeps me up at night is do, does our, do our staff have the tools that they need to be successful? And so it may just be um, that um, our, a staff member needs, you know, a double screen on their computer, or it may be that they need education on a certain um, medical therapy so that they can better support the patient. In terms of my leaders, um, my concern with them is that um, we have provided them with um, um, great managerial education so that they can learn to motivate their teams, so that they can learn to influence, um, identify trends, and create um, solutions to help their teams take better care of our patients. So anything that I can do and my team can do to um, you know, better support our staff is something that I worry about. What about instances where patients might be resistant to the team's recommendations? Mm -hmm. So for example, what if you have a patient who you think it would benefit from rehabilitation facility mm -hmm. and they don't want to go there, they'd rather go home? How do you handle That's that? That's a great question. We do encounter that from time to time. Um, and we even encounter it in terms of home health um, going into the home. So in the instance of a um, patient not wanting to go to a nursing home, um, we can take several approaches. One, um, you know, some nursing homes, you really only need to go for a week to 10 days, sometimes 20 days to receive your um, physical therapy. And some patients are afraid if you stick me in a nursing home, I'm going to be there forever. And so we try to talk to the patient about what their care plan would be in that nursing home. And then um, just recently, we were able to deploy some care managers into um, some of our select high volume nursing homes. And um, also we are working to um, put providers in these nursing homes. So what we share with our patients is, you know, if you, uh, in this nursing home, um, we have created a partnership with them. We are providing them with education that they may need to help care for your disease. Um, we have UAB physicians and nurse practitioners that take care of our patients when you go to this nursing home. So they have access to your record. Um, if there are any questions. Um, we also tell them that we have care managers, like I mentioned, that will be making sure that the medication, um, that the list of medications that's sent to the nursing home is exactly what it needs to be, um, that early identification of illness um, so that the patient doesn't um, have to be readmitted, that we're monitoring for that. And we try to make them feel um, safer about that transition. Um, in terms of home health, some patients don't want um, a nurse or a therapist coming into their home. They may be scared to have someone that they don't know coming into their home. And so um, one of the things we do is that we have um, the home health agency actually come to the patient's room and, and meet with them and talk to them about their care plan. And so in doing that, we have done studies that show that when the home health company comes and meets the patient, we actually have better engagement for the patient when the, um, with, the nurse, with the home health when they get there. That makes sense, mm -hmm. yeah. 
Um, how do you train your team to work as an interprofessional team? That's a great question. We've been doing a lot of that here at UAB. So, um, you know, we have um, primarily two disciplines in the care transitions department. One is a nurse um, who is trained to be a care manager, care coordinator, and one is a social worker. So um, social workers are trained in um, family dynamics and in crisis um, intervention. And um, we want to make sure that both of those disciplines work to the top of their skill set. And so um, we work with our nurses to help them understand um, what it means to be a care coordinator. So we're ensuring that the patient progresses through their plan of care in the hospital or in the ambulatory setting, that they're meeting their clinical goals, that we're communicating with the nursing staff on um, how we need to better support the patient. And we're also doing some discharge planning. Um, the nurse primarily takes um, discharge planning in terms of um, getting the patient to um, a home health situation or maybe they need an infusion, an antibiotic infusion to continue for a number of weeks at home. Um, so that would, uh, what we would do is really work with the nurse to make sure that they understand that's their role. The nurse is also responsible for communicating to the social worker where they see a need for social work. We don't employ social workers on all of our patients. Um, we have a list of criteria that we might we may um, make a referral for the social work to come in and um, meet with the patient. Um, primarily, you know, at um, at our hospital, we have um, we're a level one trauma center, so we have a lot of patients who are undergoing um, some you know severe um, traumatic experiences, and they really need some crisis intervention. For themselves and the family and so that um, and um, patients who are experiencing um, chronic disease exacerbation that they need help um, understanding and handling also um, discharging patients to long-term nursing homes that's a difficult transition for some patients as you mentioned before um, talking with patients understanding their values so that we don't um, begin down a care path that is more than the patient really wanted sure <clears throat> what about the nurses on your team? What kind of backgrounds do they have? So the nurses on our team come from all backgrounds. We like for them to have at least three years of clinical experience, either in the hospital or the ambulatory setting, um, or even the home health setting. We like them to know what it means to take care of a patient who is sick um, so that they know how to coach a patient and educate them on, their, on how their disease um, intermingles with each other and causes them to have these signs and symptoms. Um, these nurses are um, bachelor's prepared nurses and um, the social workers come um, from a master's prepared um, situation or educational background um, and so both and both are licensed. And how did you get into this field? Tell us a little bit about your background. So um, in my background I um, started off as a nurse in Tuscaloosa and um, actually went into um, a consulting um, situation after I got my master's. And um, in that time, I um, worked with uh, many different hospitals across the nation, um, supporting them in terms of clinical documentation and case management redesign. Um, from there, when I got tired of traveling, um, I moved into case management department at a local hospital here in Birmingham. And, um, you know, from there learned um, really what it meant to be a case manager in a hospital. Um, I um, worked in more of a quality arena and then um, went on to be the director of a case management program here in town. And since then, I've been very lucky to move into the UAB system and um, have been really challenged to help us create a strategy for 
um, for not only the inpatient setting, but the ambulatory and the post-acute setting as well. That's something that's brand new, um, more so to UAB um, than um, many, some other larger hospitals is developing that ambulatory and post-acute space. I'm curious, um, what do you think can be done to improve the current care transition process? Mm -hmm. So um, we, we have a lot of opportunity. We, um, my team does an excellent job in terms of caring for patients, but um, one of the things that we've really worked to improve is um, our, um, you know, how, how quickly do we go and see the patients? How often do we talk to the patients and, and assess their needs? Um, <clears throat> you know, how do, we, um, how do we staff our own departments? Do we have enough people to cover when um, our own staff are on vacation? And at one point we really didn't. And so the um, organization has been generous enough to um, provide us with that staff so that when our, patient, when our staff um, are on PTO, uh, that we can cover them and they're not in team coverage. Um, we've also added more to the weekend staff. So patients who want to go home on the weekend um, we have people there who can um, support their needs and you don't have to wait till Monday when your social worker gets there. Likewise, in the emergency department, we, like I said, we just added the night shift um, um, staffing because in the past, some of our um, patients who might need to consult with a social worker would wait until eight o'clock when the social worker got there um, to, to better understand their needs. Okay. <clears throat> Could you tell us a little bit about some resources that people might be able to use if they're interested in this care transitions? Yeah, I have uh, three websites that I um, frequent um, a lot. One is the um, American Case Management uh, Association, that's um, ACMA, and that um, association is primarily working with hospitals. And then um, the National Transitions of Care Coalition, it's a 501c organization and they're dedicated to filling the gaps for patients. Um, they have many resources for not only patients, but um, our, ourselves as nurses and other care transitions professionals. And then there's one for ambulatory care. It's the American Academy of Ambulatory Care Nursing, and they have a certification, um, as does ACMA, that's magnet designated um, that um, any nurse could um, work through the educational piece and apply for. That's wonderful. So in the last few minutes we have, could you tell me your big takeaways? What do you want people to remember about care transitions? So uh, care transitions wants to be a part of the team. Um, we want to be contributors. We want to be supporters. Um, you know, anytime we're working with our nursing peers, um, we um, appreciate every bit of information they can give to us. Um, we want to work hand in hand with nursing to, um, to ensure we're doing the best we can for the patient. I think from a takeaway standpoint, um, you know, before, as I said before, once you took care of a patient in the hospital, you didn't feel like you had any control once the patient left. And we're beginning to make that happen. We are beginning to have some oversight and support of patients once they leave our um, capable hands in the doctor's office or the hospital so that we can support their transition even better. Well, this has been incredibly enlightening, and I thank you so much for sharing your knowledge and your time with sure. us. Thanks for listening to Clinical Pearls from the UAB School of Nursing Health Network. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. This podcast is also available in video form at youtube.com forward slash C forward slash nursing network.